Today's podcast is sponsored by Youth Ministry Booster, an online youth ministry resource network that for $25 a month provides all the graphics, games, visuals, resources, and community support that you need to enhance your large group gatherings. Boost your youth ministry at www.youthministrybooster.com. Get everything you need to make your next teaching series great. Visit www.youthministrybooster.com and get boosted today. serving in ministry for 19 years. We hope this weekly dose of honesty and humor helps. Welcome to After Nine, the most honest conversation in youth ministry. Hello and welcome to After Nine. My name is Chad Higgins. And I'm Zach Workin. Zach, how in the world are you? Man, this is this is kind of weird. Like, it feels like it's been a while, right? Like, yeah, no, I thought you I thought you kicked me off the podcast. You know, <laughs> I hadn't emailed in a couple of weeks to let you know when we were going to record again because we were never going to record again. <laughs> it was like you know, like our wives did a great job, Elle did a great job, and Chad. What I really think the people have said with their listenership is. Maybe they've had enough Zach and Chad for a while. Maybe, maybe we just sprinkle <laughs> Zach and Chad in, right? Like, we've gone from being ice cream to being condiment. That's good. That's good. Yeah. We're no longer the whole sandwich. That's awesome. Yeah, no, man. I, I thought the last couple of episodes were, were awesome. We've got a lot of great feedback, specifically from a lot of our female listeners, which is Absolutely. awesome. You know, um, for, for Zach and myself, we... Um, we value so much of our wives, but so many of the um, phenomenal female um, people that are working with students around the country. And we just want to encourage you in the same way. I, I feel like, I mean, you look around, there doesn't seem like there's a lot of prominent female voices in youth ministry. And so I am so thankful that we can um, lend our mics to um, some people that um, are absolutely knocking it out of the park. and. Um, and man, having phenomenal female leaders and ministers is so, so important, I think, in the church. A uh, way to kind of interject, chat and say, if you are a female listener who works with youth, uh, young people in a youth ministry, please, please, please message us, tweet us, or go to afternineministry.com, share your story, let us know how we can get more excellent female voices out there in the youth ministry podcast sphere. Uh, there is a lot of great guys that are sharing, but we need to hear more from the excellent women that are serving in ministry as building up this community of learning from each other. So if you've got a story, if you've got an insight, if you're just ready to share, we want to hear from you. So check out www.afternineministry.com where you can learn more how to share. But Chad, what I want you to share is we're pretty close closing in on a special kind of fall holiday. And I want to hear from you, Chad Higgins. Halloween? Costume? Yes or no? Uh, Zach, I yes. like to refer to it as fall festival. All right. Okay. <laughs> all, so. all Hallows fall festival. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that, that's phenomenal. Um. Yeah, dude, Halloween is right around the corner. Uh, you know, we just moved to Stillwater, and um, for the first time in my life, I live in a community that has a 
Homeowners Association, which by the way, HOA, <laughs> which by the way, Zach, I made the mistake of going to my first Homeowners Association meeting. And you know me well enough to know oh, that gosh. by the end of that meeting, I am now officially on the board of our are. HOA in um, Stillwater, Oklahoma. I have a great <laughs> knack of immediately taking charge of anything that I walk into. And so anyways, I'm now on the board. But I've been told that my neighborhood is very special in the fact that people from all over our city come to our neighborhood to come trick-or-treating and then during Christmas time to look at Christmas lights. Premier. Marquee neighborhood. Yeah. Dude, there's some pressure, man. Like, there's some Facebook messages and emails floating around about, I mean, hey, get your house decorated kind of thing and get Is ready. a little one-upsmanship? A little they like, told uh, us, hey. They told us there would be somewhere around 500 hundred extra children that are not in our neighborhood <laughs> that will come to our neighborhood to trigger treat just transient children like drifting through october 31st looking for candy and warm goods yeah so yeah. So, so what are you and martha going to give out like what is the higgins household going to render to uh this halloween festivus well here's the thing zach um i'm not going to be there <laughs> oh no so, so the think, board member isn't going to be around for this most sacred of holidays? It's That's a ghoulish thing to do. <laughs> it's my nephew's birthday, so Very I'm we're heading out of town. Yeah, uh, classic. Yeah, yeah, we're heading out of town for that. So we are yeah. going to miss that, which is great because that means um, I don't have to spend $300 on Snickers bite-sized candy. Um and so that's phenomenal. Let's be honest. You were going to spend $100 of that on me and you anyway. So <laughs> you're only saving 200 on Snickers Bite Side Candies. Dude, that's the joke that I make every time that I go to like Walmart in like September, you know, and they've already got the Halloween candy out. I'm just like, anybody that's buying Halloween candy now ain't giving out none of that on October 31st. That's all for them. That's all for them. (laughs) If you're buying Halloween candy before October 20th, let's be honest. Let's be real. It's for you. That's okay. You're allowed to eat candy, but don't be like, I bought these five bags of candy on October 1st. For the end of the month, because I was afraid they were going to run out. They're not going to run right. out. You bought them for you. You were going to run out, so you bought some. <laughs> yeah, that's your candy. Is that's it your exactly candy? What? That's right. That's your candy. Jeez. There are a lot of our listeners that are giggling right now because they've already had to go back to the, the grocery store twice to get candy. They ran out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Well, Chad, here on After Nine, we want to talk about the most honest questions in youth ministry. And this one today, I think, is a timely topic. We've had a phone call. We've had some text messages with some of our from our folks, some of our After Nine people about this very topic. And so in answering the most honest questions of youth ministry, the questions that when you walk across the parking lot on a Sunday or a midweek after locking up and getting that last kid home, these are the questions that haunt us. And I think this one is especially haunting for this Halloween season in a way it's maybe even a little bit lingering. What do we do when we're following somebody? Or how do I follow the previous leader well? I mean, bottom line is, unless you're serving in a church plant or you're serving in a place that has just developed a youth ministry, you are following in the legacy of someone or someone's doing youth ministry at your church. And so for the guy or girl listening that is relatively new or in the frustration of the newness, (laughs) following somebody else's youth ministry paradigm, leadership, or philosophy 
man, how, how do we live into that well, right? Because there's a lot of different scenarios. There's a lot of different ways to do well or to do wrong based on some expectations that might not have anything to do with us. But Chad Higgins, walk us through this question today of how do we follow the previous leader well? Yeah, so I, I think anytime you move to a new place, there's obviously some sort of um, honeymoon period, right? Like um, it, it's going to be pretty decent for at least six months unless you roll in there and, and you make some massive mistakes right off the bat. Guns blazing. Uh, guns blazing. <laughs> um, and, and so I think it's important that when we when we go into a, a new place that we ask the correct questions. Um, knowing what the atmosphere and the culture was like before you got there is extremely important, right? Yes. Um, and, and so knowing... Okay, how did how did this church um how did they accept the previous guy? I, I think is really, really important. And not even his entire like um stint at that church, but really the last like I would say like six months that he was there. How did he or she finish? <laughs> yes. Um because I think that's gonna be really important and it's gonna tell a lot about what you can and can't do. And so I'll I'll give this example. If you walk into a place and the previous youth minister was like so beloved at that place and like he hung the moon, right? Like everything that he did um, whether it was a success or a failure, the people were just like, you know what, we we support it, we love it, you know what I mean, whatever. Um, then I think I think you need to understand going in, like you are following somebody that left a really good legacy, um, maybe just for themselves. Um, but you're gonna you're gonna know that if you walk into that place and this guy was so loved and so cared for. Um, and he hung the moon. If you walk in and you have a completely different model of the way that you do ministry and you want to try to change things immediately, you are going to face such a massive brick wall. Yeah. Um, and, and, and they may be really nice because you're in that honeymoon phase of going, oh, you know, we support you. We understand you. But then all of these conversations are going to happen behind your back and you're going to immediately you're going to set yourself up that you're going to begin to be evaluated uh, against that other person, right? Yeah. Like if, if they would have done it, it would have been this way and it probably yeah. would have been better. Yeah. And the big problem with that is for some of us, we're like, well, whatever, it's going to be better. And so I'll do it. The problem that you're facing is you are now then being evaluated against legacy. Yeah. Which <laughs> if you've ever gotten into conversations of like, what basketball player is better? Like the guys that competed in the past always have the advantage. Right. Because people are, they're recalling on nostalgia and memory. Yeah. And you don't, you don't remember the games that Michael Jordan had that were poor. Right. You remember these triple like, double. Yeah. <laughs> right. You, you remember these like legendary moments. And so then, when you start comparing anyone against him, it is, you know, their work of all their failures up against these great moments, right? Yeah. Well, that's 
uh, nostalgia is a powerful drug. And if you don't know that to be true, then you haven't served in any kind of traditional church. People long for a remembered past that may not be an accurate picture, but it's what they're holding in their heads. And so you as the youth pastor, the youth minister, the student pastor walking into a new situation need to know what legacy, what nostalgia is working for and against you, and in what ways you cannot manipulate that but be sensitive to the ways in which it's affecting, affecting your people uh, in certain ways. The youth minister may have been a terrible teacher, but the love that youth pastor had for the students and the way that they went and visited school lunches or they spent a lot of time after school activities or they helped coach a little league team, whatever it is, like that remembrance of what they did right will always outweigh against you and the ways that you're trying to do great until you can establish yourself with a little bit of legacy and a little bit of nostalgia. And so that's a good word, Chad. Um, that we, we are not up against their uh, former selves. We're up against their best selves, and that can be really troubling <laughs> Yeah, when you're, when you're new and trying to do things differently. Well, and, and they have all of these relationships, right? Like they were in the hospital when Timmy broke his arm, right? Right. And so like at from that point on, like that that guy could like, you know, I don't know, leave their kid at a bus stop, you know, on the way home from camp. And they're like, you know what? It's probably okay. You know, whatever. Um, maybe that's a stretch. But, um, you know, I, I think that we have to understand that going in. Okay, this is this is the situation I'm walking into. And that's not bad, right? Because a lot of times people that um, are respected like that in their church have probably left a ministry that's probably pretty healthy anyways. And, and so I think walking in there, even if we see some changes that need to be made, that we're wise about when we make those and how we make those okay. and how we talk about the previous person, right? Like if you walk in and you're just like, oh, this is horrible, this is horrible, this is horrible— what what you're identifying to these people is not necessarily just these programs, but this is who they are and what they care about because yeah, they're so connected yeah. and tied to this person. Yeah, and, and you, so you basically walked that, through and said that he is terrible, he is terrible, he is terrible, and they love him. They don't know if they love you or not, <laughs> right? And so you've got to be wise about some of these changes, and you you need to you know begin to figure out okay. What is this place about? What you know what I mean? Because we all get a picture by the, you know, the pastor or the search committee that brought us in, and it's just like, you know, it's like an online dating service. They're they're going to show you their best parts of themselves, yep. and they're gonna make their you know flaws and all those kind of things seem not as you know noticeable. But once we get in there, we're there for a year or so, we actually start to get to see, okay, this is actually more what this church is like. These are the things that are important. Like, yeah, you can tell me your mission statement 40,000 times, but the way that you act, the things that you do, this is what you truly care about. And then we get to see the the truth of this church and this community. And so I think we've gotta we've gotta be people that ask the correct questions along the way, and we evaluate it. And the same other side of the coin, you may be following somebody, man, that had a very difficult time, right, and dropped the ball on multiple things. Um, and, and so these people, they're ready for something new. You yeah. walk in, 
<laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like you can do no wrong. Right? <laughs> you're like, what? You put a calendar out for the month? You're the greatest youth minister I've ever seen. You know what I mean? And, and so simple this little youth things. Area like, is impeccable. You clean well. <laughs> No, it's true because that, that's the other side. And, here, and here's the other thing that's really important, Chad. Nostalgia is a powerful drug. <laughs> and sometimes people can yeah. take take the, the the worst parts of a person and make that all who they were because they want to pick out the things that they remember and not all the things that actually happened. And we have to be really careful not to buy into the temptation of, oh, I am going to drag this person through the mud because it only makes me look better. Be careful, friend. Like sometimes the greatest gift is following a person who did not do a great job until <laughs> it starts to get that way for you because the way in which you dishonor others is the way in which you will be held an honor or dishonor. And just because it's tempting to think, oh my gosh, easy Mark, I'm following Mark <laughs> or whoever it is. Sorry, some listener named Mark really offended, but it's not you, Mark. It's another Mark we're talking about. But in either case, the way in which you honor or dishonor the person before you is probably the way you will set yourself up to be honored or dishonored. Listen, listen, listen. The first six months, yes, they're a honeymoon, but they're also a time to listen. Like that is a time to gather and hear from whether the youth pastor, minister, or director before you can be reached or not reached, which I think in 2016, hopefully you could find a way to at least email or call them and find out their side of the story. Listen and hear from the leaders and students what was good, what was working, and then listen for what they're not saying, what was absent, what was missing. And then from that insight, that knowledge, you be wise in the ways in which you are trying to construct and do and lead. Because the wisdom of all of this is that there is a community that was there before you, and there is a community that will be there after you leave. So you be wise enough to know that you are the bridge between two places and not the one that should be lifted up or remembered solely for who you are, but what you did for the community. So that's there's two sides to the coin for sure. There's the <laughs> the person that's hard to follow because they're great, and there's the person that's hard to follow because they were not so great. In either case, I think this is the opportunity for you to pause, listen to what's being said and what's not being said. Because when we come back after the break, we're going to talk about some things that are gifts to you being new. There's nothing like being new. There is free gifts. There is free territory for you that are new. So catch us back after the break. We break down what it's like to be new. YouthMinistryBooster.com. The early reviews are in. It's like having a free intern or assistant walk into your office and say, for $25 a month, I will do all the things you've wanted and you haven't had the time to do. Don't believe us? Check out YouthMinistryBooster.com today and download a free booster pack with all the stuff that you would get at full retail price for this holiday season. Lights and cocoa. It's free to you today to try and see. Test drive YouthMinistryBooster.com today. All right, hey, we're back after the break here at After Nine. My name is Zach Workin. This is my best friend. Chad Higgins. Talking about what it's like to be following someone else in ministry. Pretty much every single one of us that's serving in some kind of leadership role in youth ministry, whether it's part-time, full-time, bivocational, or volunteer, you're following somebody. You might be the... uh, 
full-time person following. You might be the interim and the in-between. But in either case, we are always <laughs> in some kind of in-between. On the first half of the episode, we talked about what it's like to follow somebody that did a great job, left a strong legacy, or what it's like to follow someone that did not do such a great job and maybe following in that legacy. But Chad, the thing I want to break down for our listeners on this side that's super practical and super helpful what is the best thing about being new? Like what, what, is, what is something that you can do in the new, uh, new setting, new ministry, new church that we should not miss out on? Um, you know, honestly, I think one of the greatest things about being new um, is this clean slate. And so I think when, when your leadership is done correctly in the right time, um, you don't immediately have these baggages and people don't know, like, Hey, these are this is a weakness of Chad or this is a weakness of Zach. And so they have these expectations in those flawed areas that we all have, right? Like, um, let's be honest with ourselves that we all have flawed areas in um how we are as ministers. None of us are perfect in that in the same way that we're not perfect in anything else in our life. Growing edges, Chad. We all have growing edges. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> leadership deficiencies that we're trying to uh, efficate. Yeah. All right, great. Well, for all of our millennial listeners, you now feel better about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so, Nobody's a failure, Chad. We just have growing edges. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's in all you youth ministers get a great purple ribbon at the end of this episode. And so, High five! Yeah. <laughs> all right. So your growing edges or your failures that you have. Um, and so I think that um, when we launch something new, right, there's not this expectation of, well, he's probably not going to communicate this real well, right? <laughs> so, there's no email coming about this one. <laughs> and, oh, I bet he's over budget on that activity. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And so there's none of that. And so your people kind of come in with this like expectation of, oh, okay, this is new. What What's going to happen? It's different. Um, and, and I think that, you know, you, you get to, um, a lot of times you get to maybe reuse some things that you've done at other churches, different events that you know are successful, right? Um, the second go around is always my better talk anyway, right? This is, my, <laughs> this is why preachers have multiple services, man. Like that early service, you're just ironing the kinks out of that, that dress rehearsal run through that second service. That's when it's good. <laughs> We know that that joke doesn't work, so we're going to cut it out of the second cut service. It. Do not pause for laugh break. There will not be one. <laughs> oh, I wonder. I wonder how many how many ministers out there in writing a sermon have actually written on their pause for laugh break. <laughs> you don't want to know. You don't. I bet it's more you than you want to think. Because if you knew, you'd pause for laughter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's horrible. Um, but no, I th I think not having some of that just baggage of our own um, yeah. growing edges or whatever you want to call it, um, that I think that that's nice, right? And and I think maybe for some of us, it, we've learned from our previous places, and so we're going to go. Okay, I'm starting out a new. I'm going to do communication better. I'm going to do relationships <laughs> better, right? Yes, yes. Um, and so we we go about that in the correct way. Is this the like God-sized forgiveness of like, hey friend, there's forgiveness <laughs> seventy times seven, but you may have to go to seventy different churches to learn it. <laughs> man, I hope not. I, I uh, hope I uh, hope that because to be very honest, man, I've I've met so many people that 
have done things poorly at a place and instead of trying to like okay hit the reset button here and change yeah. things th- then honestly i think for some of for some people that it's just easier to pack up and we'll head someplace else because it's definitely not working here which if if that was a guarantee to learn from those mistakes i would give it the thumbs up but i don't know if it's always the guarantee to learn from those mistakes i think it's just a chance to make more mistakes or new mistakes which you're gonna do no matter where you're at so you might as well try to find a community that will find enough forgiveness for you when you do screw up but you are right chad i think there is the truth a kernel of truth in there that I think a lot of folks really resonate with is that when you go somewhere new or you start over or you have a new place or you have a new shot at things, you get to kind of re-identify yourself as minister and re-identify your role in ministry. I mean, we've talked about it before, but I am so thankful that 23, 24-year-old Zach is not the guy showing up to the Southern Hills job that I currently have today. Like there are things that he didn't know and there are things that he he needed a place to be new and different to learn from and to move into. Uh, and, and the part that for me that really ties that together is the way in which you get to carry fresh authority. So had a great phone call with one of our listeners, Cameron, who's moving from the West Coast to the heartland here in a few weeks uh, for youth ministry. And we both kind of... Uh, had some camaraderie over what it's like to move from serving in your home church that's known you your whole life into serving in a new place that only knows you as their new hire, as their new youth or student minister, and the kind of authority and the kind of expertise that comes with that. Man, I know that for a lot of our listeners, they feel like they have things to say and things upon which they should be heard. And sometimes if you're in the same place too long, your opinions can get pigeonholed as the youth person's opinions or, oh, that's just what our youth director would say, or they're only in charge of the silliness. And to carry a certain kind of leadership and authority that can sometimes only come from being in a new place or being known in a new way. And I think that can be a gift. And so if you are starting off somewhere new, um, yeah, you should definitely learn from the mistakes that you're making. And no matter where you are, you should be learning from the mistakes that you're making. But if you can find a way to establish yourself with some pastoral authority, some leadership authority, that's not granted just by the title you're given, director, minister, pastor, whatever, but by your presence and by your wisdom. And I think that is the thing that when you walk into somewhere new, whether you're following somebody who's great or somebody who's not so great, if you can carry the kind of wise authority that's beyond your years, that is the thing that will stick longer than how well you communicated the fall event yeah. or how early you picked your camp date, right? Like no. that's that's huge. Yeah, dude, that, that's some... That's some great advice, Zach, because first impressions are so important, right? And uh, and most of the time, people's interactions with you after that first impression will always be based on what they believe to be true about you. And so as you walk in, if if you are carrying yourself in a way that, hey, like I, I am an adult and not just a glorified student that hangs out with other students, even if you're still finishing up like your college stuff, right? Man, for many youth ministers out there, you're, you are very young. And so, man, I, I meet youth ministers all the time that they were a student in their student ministry like two years before kind of thing. Right, right. <laughs> and 
And so, like, you need to be able to set these, like, expectations that the adults in your church see you as an adult with authority, right? Because I think a lot of times youth ministers will come to a new place, and you want all the students to like you, because that's who you're going to be spending most of the time with, that you play this, you know, funny, zany guy, you know what I mean? All that to, to connect with the students. Well, Case in point, that's how all of the adults in your church now see you too, because that's the only side of you that they've seen. And so when it comes to like serious matters in their church, their view of you is just the little bit older student that is like taking care of our kids so we can do adult things over here. Yep. Yep. And and so I think it's really important that we're establishing who we are and the place that we have. And now I'm not saying you walk in and you're like the old curmudgeon, right? And and now your students don't connect with you. Um, but I think it's important that they see you in this leadership authoritative role. Um, and, and that's going to help you. And that's not just with like the church. Oftentimes that's with your staff, right? Like, yeah. If you're rolling into the office, right, like 45 minutes late to everything, you're not prepared, like that is the precedent that you're going to set for yourself. Dressed like Thursday of youth camp every day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and so I think that we have to be aware that like the way that we conduct ourselves in the office, the way that we conduct ourselves on Sunday morning when we're away from the students is extremely important that we're we're setting this first impression to many people. And so – um, you, you've you got know, to find a way to be that multifaceted leader, right? Like you've got to know the room you're in and you've got to know in which ways you're leading. Are you the mascot leading the students? Are you the, you know, ambassador of youth culture to your parents or to your staff? Like you, you've got to know what role you're serving. Like if you love young people and love leading and ministering to young people, know to which audience you're trying to speak so you can know how to best serve them. All right. So Zach, I want to hear your favorite thing about being new, and then I want you to give one piece of advice for somebody that is within the first year of a new place or about to be, and I'll give some advice as well. Sounds good, man. So my favorite thing about being new is the chance to dream in like frameworks and structures. For me, everything is is thinking through big picture stuff and then beginning to add all the layers and compartments and architecture to that. And so you only really get to do that once every time you go somewhere new you can kind of move around some of the drawers or compartments of this program or this time or this framework or these leaders but that big picture is almost kind of the direction you want to move the ministry in or the way that you want the kind of the momentum to be carried and so for me like that's a really prayerful wonderful exciting energy kind of gathering project and so i love it And so for anybody that is new, I would say give that its due time and due course. Like don't show up the day of with a new name for the youth ministry. (laughs) Like don't get hired the week before and come back in the next week and then just rehash the name of the youth ministry you were coming from. Prayerfully consider like what this group needs, who this youth ministry is inside the larger church community, and where you want them to not just be at, but grow into. And so a lot of those things are, you know, what are the leaders that I need, not just for next Sunday, but for two years from now? Like I think about the things we've made, choices and growth, kind of like planning and projections for the ways in which we knew our middle school was going to grow. And so we've been trying to be really strategic about who's leading in middle school and the ways in which we're offering good middle school things. And so again, part of the thinking isn't just what am I going to get done for next Sunday, 
But in that honeymoon period, having that discerning period of like, who are these students? What are the things that have been most important to them? And what are the things that I want to be most important to them that may not be most important yet? So those, those are kind of my things for that. The quick, easy, practical, straightforward thing that I would shoot off is when you get hired or enlisted or appointed or brought in or harangued into a new situation as a youth minister, have a prayer team of people that are stakeholders, uh, shareholders in the church that are not directly involved in your youth ministry. This might be like the deacon council. This might be the staff parish personnel committee. Uh, This might just be a group of parental folks or folks that don't have direct ties to your youth ministry and send them a monthly prayer email reminder text of here's how you can pray for our student ministry because you need people that know what's going on in the youth ministry that are not directly involved so they can go to bat for you in places that you didn't even know you were having to go to bat for like you need the moms the aunts the grandmas that are not the whole church because that's just too many emails to send, but like five or seven, seven or eight people that know what are going on and it can reach you and that you can be in contact with them. And you ask them simply to pray for the ministry and to be in the know about the ministry. So when things get brought up in a Sunday morning life group or Sunday school class with the adults, or if there's hallway chatter, or if there's a senior adult luncheon, there's somebody on your team in the room that knows what's going on in the life of the youth ministry. Like that's the best thing I can give is you need support supporters, shareholders, stakeholders, and what's going on in your ministry. Yeah. I think my advice that I would give is this. Most people are going to, I think, walk into a ministry and start to evaluate and want to figure out, okay, what needs to change? What needs to stay the same? And those things will come, and and I'll just tell you, um, patience and, and thinking all those things out, I think, is extremely important. But beyond that, I think within your first year, specifically if you if you're walking into a student ministry that is thirty to forty or less, um, I would make it a point within the next six to eight months to go have coffee or a lunch with every single parent of your students. Now, I, I know that that may sound like this daunting task if you're like i've got 40 meetings that i now have to go to um but when you're talking about spreading that out over half a year it's not as crazy as it sounds yeah. and you will gain so much credibility in doing that one you are not sitting down with any of these parents going hey johnny's been really difficult lately right um you're just you're getting to know them um, specifically if you're new, here's what's going to happen. If you have those, um, sit down they're they're going to want to get to know you a little bit, and then they're going to begin to tell you what they, they liked might even, or, they might even buy the lunch. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Um, what they liked or disliked about the previous guy. Um, and so be careful just as Zach was talking about there, um, you are going to be evaluated on that same scale within two years. And so the way that you communicate about that, that person is going to be very important. Even if they didn't like them, I think it's really important that you treat them with respect, that you talk great about them as a person, because you want them to, to think about you great as a person one day as well. Uh, but get to know them, get to know their students here. Um, you're going to hear a lot about 
what they did or did not like. And what they're telling you in that moment is not how good or how bad the previous guy was. They are giving you information on here's how to be successful at this church or yeah. here's how to fail at this church. That's good. And so when you start to hear those patterns, then you know really quickly, okay, this is a church that values me being at sports games yep. because over and over again, I heard, you know, oh, it was so great. The youth minister would come to these games or, um, man, you know, the youth minister, he just, it never seemed to send out emails, you know, we never knew what was going on. Yeah. Then that needs to be a trigger in your mind of, okay, communication is really important. I can set myself up to succeed if I communicate very effectively with these people because they haven't had that and they're wanting that. Yes. And so when we're able to reach those needs, um, then we set ourselves up in the, in this great way. And then we're constantly putting in coins um, into this bank that when we fail – then we're not completely depleting that, right? That we've already established some credibility, some favor on these people, and it doesn't just bankrupt us when that one time that we mess up. And so I, I think it's really important that we're having these conversations. We're building these relationships with the parents and the students there. And and I think that if you walk into a new place with relationship, relationship, relationships on your mind, I think you're going to find yourself succeeding a lot more than you're failing. That's good, man. That's good. No, again, it's that listening, discerning, the clues, right? Like, don't just hear them say the thing. Hear them say what they had and what they loved and what they didn't have and what they were hoping for. Uh, this is uh, a a process, like serving in ministry is a weekly grind struggle. Friends, listeners, try to keep your head above the waves and know that at the end of the day, you're always the interim. <laughs> there is always somebody before and somebody who comes behind, uh, but there is hope yet still. So for another episode of After Nine, uh, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to After Nine. To continue the conversation, find us on Twitter or Facebook at After Nine Ministries or visit www.afternineministry.com to subscribe and learn more.